shot and a great save by Dane St. Clair. Shot by Matt DeRosa, and it's in! Matt DeRosa puts the Terps up 1-0. Staden coming forward now, he had two last week. He winds up the left-footed shot, it's sneaks into the bottom corner. Bin outside the box, a shot with the right foot, and it's in! Paul Bin wins it for the Terps! Now Sadich plays inside the 18, the shot, and a goal for the Terps! Leaves it for Herbe, cutting it back to the middle, and it's in! Paul Bin gets the goal for Maryland. Elney has the room, he shoots it in! Maryland has a 1-0 lead on the goal from the senior, Sebastian Elney. Eli Cronali, the deep free kick, sent into the box now. Hervey there, the back post, and it's through the legs and in! Donovan Vines is claiming it as the 6-5 man does a cartwheel on the far side, doubling Maryland's lead. And that'll do it! Maryland's California dream have become a reality. For the first time in a decade, the Terps are national champions. Ladies and gentlemen, get on your feet and welcome your Ludwig Lowdown, featuring Brendan Hartlove and Tom Hendo. Welcome into episode eight of the Ludwig Lowdown, our Maryland men's soccer podcast here on WMUC Sports Radio. Brennan Hartlove joined again in the studio by Tom Hindle. Tom, welcome back. Thank you very much for having me once again. Yeah, so you haven't played yourself off the podcast just yet. Um, you, you've <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah, so far, you've behaved. Um, anyways, some, some big news this week came out, uh, especially for the two of us, and that was that they're making a TV series out of one of our favorite uh, our favorite American football coaches. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, if you, we'll just pull through this real quick. But if, <laughs> if you don't know, um, when NBC got the rights to the Premier League way back when, um, they did a – uh, like a little skit type of thing with Jason Sudeikis, who played an American football coach, going over to coach Tottenham Hotspurs in England and kind of just showing. Uh, uh, he, he was clueless. He was he, he was, was a bit a bit clueless. It was it was terrific comedy. I don't think I've ever enjoyed a four minute YouTube video so much. Yeah, and then they did one I think the year later where he was a broadcaster and worked on the broadcast side of things, which was. Very funny, especially for me, being a broadcaster kind of thing. I was going to say, an inspiration to you, A, no a little bit, and seeing him up there with Arlo White was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> wait, say champions again. Anyway, so we, <laughs> we encourage you to go look that up. Uh, some some good soccer-ish news that, that came out this week. They're going to make some Apple TV, like actual like TV series about it, which will be very funny. Um, so look it up. But look it up after the podcast. So yeah. uh, we yeah, will start. What are you doing and listen? Yes. Yeah, so a um, bit of a mixed-ish week for Maryland soccer. Uh, they were ranked 25th in the nation. They do stay there going into uh, this weekend. However, they went to East Lansing Friday night um, for a difficult road test against Michigan State, and the conditions were a abysmal for that game. A cold, rainy night in East Lansing. Very nice. Oh, uh, thank you. And. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to recap the, the Michigan State game. We're going to recap the Georgetown game. We're going to go to an interview with Maryland captain, center back, stalwart, Johannes Bergman. I sat down with him the other day and talked about his life growing up in a small village in Germany through his process of getting to Maryland and a bunch of other stuff as well. And then once we come back from that, we will preview the huge matchup uh, tonight. Friday night against Indiana as part of Beat Indiana Week here on the campus of the University of Maryland <laughs> and somewhat WMUC Sports since we have all those games coming to you. Plug, plug. Plug, plug. And so we will preview Indiana, and then we will preview the matchup against Yale on Monday night, which is actually, I think, a little bit of a bigger game than people may may realize. Absolutely. So, um, and then we'll probably do some pro terps at the end as the MLS playoffs are approaching. So we begin with that cold, rainy night in East Lansing. And it was the field was completely soaked, absolutely 
oversaturated. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but it does play into the game a little bit down the line. Um, and so pretty typical lineup for Maryland going into that game. Nothing too out of the ordinary, nothing too special um, of note. So they go through and obviously battling the conditions throughout. Maryland did have a decent number of chances in the first half. They just couldn't quite convert any of those, similar to what we saw on the road against Wisconsin, um, which was, again, another Friday night away game in the Big Ten. So weren't able to put any in the back of the net, and Michigan State scores a pretty nice goal right Very before nice halftime to take the lead worked. going into the break. And it was uh, it was an interesting 45 minutes, to say the least, from from kind of just tuning in and, and noticing that, first of all, the conditions are affecting both teams. You know, Michigan State, even playing on their home field, whatever home field advantage they had was more or less nullified. Yeah. Um, the crowds the crowds were sent home, really, by the conditions for mm -hmm. the most part. And uh, you, you had both teams kind of forced to adapt, and both teams did it well. And I think, really, the Michigan State goal was uh, maybe a bit um, against the run of play, but it was a very nicely worked counterattack, and honestly... Uh, Full credit to the Spartans for going up 1-0. And it was kind of a ball into Michael Pimlot, the Michigan State player. And Brett St. Martin, it was his man, and he didn't quite cover him the way he should, and he got it and was able to take a shot from somewhat distance, a low shot from the top of the box that beat Nicholas Neumann. And that's another thing I want to touch on. It is Neumann. We've said Newman all season for, oh, for the freshman German goalkeeper. However, talking to Nicholas, and this was a question that came up throughout the season, but we stuck with Newman for the time being. It is Neumann, and so I'm going to apologize now for probably thousands of times that I've said it <laughs> apparently incorrectly. So it is Neumann, uh, so no, you're not going crazy if you think it was something else. I was going to say it's your fault, mate, because you've been doing this on broadcast. That's I true. You, it's spelled the same way for you <laughs> either way. So um, I was going with the information that I had, but coming right from the source of Nicholas Neumann. So um, he was beat on that goal, and the teams swam into the locker room with uh, <laughs> with the Spartans ahead. Um, and so they come back out, and again, both teams battling conditions. They worsened throughout the game. Um, it was just a, a monsoon, a complete downpour yeah. um, that really, really made it difficult. Very English game. Very English game. Um, and so then Maryland is able to pull one back in the 78th minute through Justin Geelan getting his first of the season. And the ups on that kid are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I mean, it was a... It was an anti-Sarovsky goal in a way. There wasn't really any yeah. pretty build-up. There were no like fullbacks marauding up the wings. Yeah. It was just a, eh, it's the 78th minute. The conditions are rubbish. Lob one into the box, yeah. Johannes lad. Yeah. And then Gielen, uh, to use a to use a Ray, one of my favorite Ray Hudson quotes, leapt like a salmon <laughs> to reach it. And it was it was a fantastic header. And to be honest, an equalizer that Maryland absolutely deserved. Had 11 shots in the second half. They'd figured out that strategy, which was you're not going to play the ball around in these conditions. No one's dribbling past anyone. Mm -hmm. So they used that superior height advantage. Matt Talevich and Gielan, two big lads yeah. in the box. And, you know, one finally came off. Yeah. And so, I mean, it was difficult to even just play the ball on the ground, really, because, I mean, it would just slow. It was one of those things where you see it just kind of you make the pass and it's right on line. It's going to get there, but it just loses all that momentum yeah. right before it gets yeah. there, and you see the trail of water splashing up from, from behind. So, 90 minutes, still tied 1-1, um, but then the game was called in overtime. Unplayable conditions, which Maryland probably would have wanted to keep playing because yeah. they were on the front foot, and they felt that they could have won that game. To be honest, I think maybe Michigan State might have gotten away with one of it. Well, I mean, it's the decision that the officials make. Um, it wasn't that 
like because some some people ask like oh how can Michigan State like do they? it was oh, at the discretion not. of the referees it wasn't that they kind of you know home field advantage you can say no 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 we don't want to we don't want to <laughs> we no, don't fancy it anymore no no, no no there's not that there's no corruption in the Big Ten that we're aware of so um, <laughs> speculate speculate spe- yeah kidding um, so yeah the game was called in overtime it ends one one so uh, another conference draw on the road for Maryland. And, again, it was one of those games where it was actually a pretty decent performance. They didn't get three points or, I mean, you don't do, you know what I mean. You didn't get the win for the the, the table. And so uh, it could have gone a little bit better, but you'll take a point, uh, especially on the road in those conditions kind of thing. Absolutely. But, I mean, the, these, these Big Ten, no, I don't want to say they're disappointments because they're not, obviously, given the conditions. But you've, you've got to start finding ways to yeah. win these games, to be honest. But yeah. You you'd say all right onto that file it as they like file to it. say and yep. on to the next that's one. A, that's one of Sasha Sorovsky's, um mottos. Really, is you you kind of just some things you just have to put behind you and you file it. And it's funny hearing a bunch of the guys say that. Oh, and yeah. Immediately thinking, well, you got that right from Sasha. <laughs> so um, so they did file it, and it was very dreary conditions, and which made travel a little bit of a challenge at, at times. Nightmarish, yeah. Um, and so the guys eventually got back to College Park and went on to face Georgetown on Monday night, another ranked matchup yeah. and a local derby, if you will. Uh, you don't you don't have too many of those in college soccer, it feels really like, especially don't. between two teams in the top 25. Right. And so you had a pretty good turnout at Ludwig Field uh, from both sides. You had uh, traveling Georgetown fans as well, just a short trip up the road. And so it was much better conditions. Oh yeah, it was it was oh, actually yes. quite lovely. It was, um, and so it was kind of back and forth at the beginning. We saw Maryland adjust their strategy um, just a little bit, not too drastically. But we've talked about several times that Maryland has played with two defensive midfielders, typically Nick Richardson and Eli Crenali. However, in this game, they played with just the one defensive midfielder in Nick Richardson. And so, talking to Sasha Sorovsky, the the kind of rationale behind that is that Georgetown is typically a very possession-based team. They like to have the ball. They like to build from a little bit deeper. And so playing Eli Cornelli and Malcolm Johnson a little bit higher up the field, that was able to kind of put pressure on the holding midfielders of Georgetown so that kind of disrupt their flow a little bit. Cut off the passing lanes. Cut off the passing lanes, exactly. Um, And... I'm getting a little bit into the tactical analysis because when I do play-by-play, that's not the play-by-play's job. So I like <laughs> to actually have a way to vent about some of this kind of stuff. It's so fantastic. Use your platform. Uh, I, I will. Um, and so it, we saw that it kind of worked a little bit. Georgetown did make a sub for their, one of their holding midfielders that didn't quite have the influence on the game that they wanted J.B. Fisher. Um, and so things for the first half, at least, were pretty solid for Maryland. It wasn't a disappointing performance. It wasn't exactly a lively, exciting um, performance. They didn't create a ton of chances, but you go into the locker room and you're tied nil-nil. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think I enjoyed the game a lot more than a lot of other people may yeah, have. for the I, intricacies Right, of the it. intricacies and whatnot. And I thought the Nick Richardson idea, you know, playing as the one center defensive mid was actually a really, really clever one. Yeah. Because I think, you know, you just notice that, hey, we don't need that number advantage mm-hmm. deeper. Let's let's make it difficult for them. And, you know, you look at the shot tallies. Georgetown had five. Maryland had two. But um, neither neither keeper was really tested. Um, 
and for that reason, I and we talked about this on our on our half time show. I thought Maryland maybe looked like the more likely of the two teams to come up with something, mm-hmm. uh, just just out the merit of the fact that they had been able to stifle this creativity. Yeah. So at halftime, you thought like, hey, this is a local derby. You've come off two two days rest, three, uh, two and a bit, basically three. So they traveled. They played Friday, half a day Saturday essentially. Yeah. And then Sunday, you played Monday. Right. So, so one and three quarters kind of. Right. So not very much rest. Yeah. You're playing against a top 25 team. You're nil-nil at halftime, and mm-hmm. you haven't. You've looked very tactically sound. You thought it could have been a night for something pretty special. Yeah. However, the, the teams went in the locker room, nil-nil, came back out, and the second half did not go as planned for Maryland. It was very difficult for them to create any kind of offense and you asked me my thoughts after the game and I think one of the first things I said was lacked inspiration in the offense and it just it didn't seem to click you didn't get into the box that much um, and you you didn't have a lot of that service coming in from wide areas that we typically see coming from Ben and Matt DeRosa and Georgetown credit to them they are a contender this year they are a very solid team on both sides of the ball they do not concede a lot and they do score quite a bit and that kind of that quality showed in the second half, making it very difficult for Maryland. I mean, yeah, they kind of switched their MO a bit, Georgetown. They were a possession-based team, and then they showed in the second half, we can hit you on the counter. Yep. And it's all about the pace on the wings, the ability to find the extra man and just attack, attack, attack. That Maryland back four looked overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, full credit to them, like you said. But at the same time, if you're Maryland, you cannot be rattled by a team, especially at home. That means yeah. if a team is attacking, you've got to be able to A, show that defensive instinct, and B, give some of it back. Mm-hmm. Because that th- these these are the kind of teams you schedule. These are the kind of teams you've got to play against if you want to be successful. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully from Sasho's point of view, from the team's point of view, maybe this game is something that lights a fire underneath them and makes them realize, like, hey, we've got to step up the intensity. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the second half was, was a really difficult one. Yeah, 11 shots for Georgetown the second half to Maryland's three. Uh, Nicholas Neumann called into action five times in the second half, and uh, Neumann has had six corner kicks in the second half to Maryland's one. And so that just kind of shows on which end of the field the ball was for the majority of the second Absolutely. half. Absolutely. Um, and so uh, the Terps do – the goal came in the 65th minute for Georgetown, um, coming from Derek Dodson and uh, assisted by Achara, and we've seen the pace from Achara. He's, he's just, a phenomenal he player. Is, he and is. He's, he's one of the – probably one of the fastest guys in the nation – and so Maryland is behind, and they, again, just could not create the opportunities to get back into the match. Just didn't look clinical enough, and I think that's that's the kind of thing that maybe you can say, hey, it was an on-the-day thing. Mm-hmm. But then also, just got to think, maybe this is a problem among the team for the whole season. Yeah. And it's hard to say at this point. I think we've seen times where Maryland's looked great in front of goal, and obviously times such as against Georgetown, not quite so much. Mm-hmm. But, but we'll just have to see, and uh, hopefully, as Sasha likes to say, file it. File it, and you move on to the next one. And that well, that was the message from the team right afterwards. Absolutely. I think Nate Richardson was the first one to say, we're going to file this, and we're going to move on. And I think that's there's there's going to be adjustments made uh, going into the game against Indiana. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, after the interview, but there are going to be adjustments made. And kind of the issues that were discussed after the game were obviously the fatigue played into it and it's not an excuse but it's a factor and so again with a little rest you could see it on the field you could see that the fatigue and just the physical play 
and also just kind of the mental decisions and just not able to execute, and that plays into it as well. And tying that in, Maryland could not keep hold of the ball. They had yeah. very little possession in the second half, especially playing out of the back. And credit to Georgetown, they pressed well and right. made it difficult for Maryland. But that's something that the Terps rely on quite a bit to jumpstart that offense. It normally starts from the back or the wider areas and then moves ahead. And they just weren't able to get that off. Blimey, you are full of tactical analysis Thank today. you. <laughs> but, no, I, I mean, you, you covered all the bases there. I don't think it was necessarily running so much as just the, the mental fatigue, yes. the, the kind of, ugh. And ugh yeah. is the best way I can think to put yeah. it. But you know, you you've had four days of rest now ahead of Indiana. So yes. this is it. And so everything has been building towards Indiana. And before we get into that, because there's a lot to discuss there, a lot of history, a lot on the line, we're gonna go to a player that is going to be tested quite a bit in that game, and that's Johannes Bergman, who's been Maryland center back for a few years now. He's wearing the armband. I mean he has had quite the journey to getting here to College Park. So we will now go to our interview with Johannes Bergman. So I'm now joined by Maryland center back Johannes Bergman. Johannes, thank you for, for taking the time to join me. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. So you probably have one of the most interesting journeys on the team uh, to getting to College Park from back home in Germany. So kind of just take me through playing as a kid at home in Germany and then kind of finding your way to College Park. So I've been playing since I was five years old. I started uh, playing in a little village. I grew up in a little village. And my whole family background, my, my dad already played soccer, my grandpa played soccer, so I was kind of born in a, like a soccer family. Uh -huh. But um, they, didn't, they didn't force me to play, I just, I just loved it from, from the first moment I, I entered the pitch. So, and I always played with my neighbors, with my brother, he's two years younger. So I had r really a very good childhood and I grew up in this village. And then when I was 14 years old, I went to a boarding school to, um, to, a, to an academy, to a youth academy. It's a third division club, or back then it was a third division club in Germany. And yeah, I went to a boarding school, and to I lived in a boarding, a boarding school and uh, went to this sports school as well as combined sports school and boarding school. And I think it was um, a really, really good time. I had a lot of fun, made a lot of friendships and also developed as a, um, as a soccer player. And yeah, I played there several years in this youth academy. And then I, um, when I graduated from high school in 2014, I started studying. I took a gap year after that, um, started studying, and also um, went to another club and played there for three years. It was also, um, it's a little club, but no one like really knows it here. It's called uh, Nordhausen. So I played there for three years and I studied at the same time. And yeah, then I wanted to have like a, a little change in my life. I wasn't really happy how it, I, I, um, or I, actually I was happy, but I wanted to change something. I wanted to experience something new. I wanted to have a new challenge in my life. So, and I, um, I know some of my friends, they, they went to, they went to college a few years, a couple of years ago, and they all told me it's, it's a very good um, experience. And yeah, since I have a friend who works for an agency who brings college students um, over here to the States from Germany or from all over Europe to the States. Um, yeah, he always told me, um, he already told me a, a few years ago that if I want to go to the States, he can help me with the whole process. Mm -hmm. So and then uh, um, in 2017, <laughs> at a, like in January, February 2017, I thought about it and I um yeah, I hit him up and asked him, yeah, can you help me to go to the States? And he said, yeah, of course. And then the whole process started. 
Also a main reason why I came here, I played back in Germany, I played uh, under 19 and under 18 national team. Mm -hmm. I had like several um, cap caps, I played France, Netherlands, Japan, we went to, to a um, tournament in Israel and it was a great experience but after that I had a bad injury mm -hmm. and uh, I was out for a year and uh, due to this injury like I always like wanted to play professional in Germany, but due to this injury, I, um, I, I um, broke my tibia head and I tore my PCL. My wow. meniscus was damaged, so it was a pretty tough, uh, rough time. So and that changed my mind a little bit, it, and um, I also like tried to take care of my academics more because I knew like if you have one serious injury, your career could be over. So you also have to have a plan B mm -hmm. in case you you don't become like a professional soccer player. And that's why it, I also came here. That's uh, actually the main reason why I came here because here you can pursue your academics and also your um, athletics. Mm -hmm. And in Germany, it's kind of hard. In Germany, you either choose to become a professional soccer player, but then it's hard to study, or you study, but then it's also hard to play soccer on a like higher level. Yeah. And I tried to do it like um, in Germany. I I went to like an online university, so I did all the studying via laptop. Mm -hmm at home and then I drove every six weeks to Berlin to take my exams wow. and played football, um, uh, played soccer um, while I like studied online. Yeah. So, so, so you were trying to kind of do it both in Germany, but yeah. that was more of a challenge. That here, was more of a challenge. Here it's, here it's more, here it's more like time to, it's, it's more like adjusted. So yeah. that was like also one of the main reasons why I came here. Yeah. Cool. So when I, I've heard kind of like, bits and pieces of stories of when Sasha came over to watch you and there was something like he watched you like from his car because he couldn't get in do you know anything about that when he came he went over to try to scout you and watch you play over in in Germany I think it was yeah he he um well, he watched me and he he wanted to like uh, so it started all with um this agency with the um the guy with that's my friend who works for the agency he liked did the same kind of like a recruiting profile and uh, um, he um, uploaded a or posted a, um, a, um, a highlight video mm -hmm. and Sasha it, it caught Sasha's attention or also Sasha's uh, from the, his assistant coaches and um, his um, their attention mm -hmm. and then um, yeah we got in contact and eventually he came over to Germany he wanted to see me playing he wanted to see, see me playing live yeah. and he wanted to meet me in person but the thing was at, at this time it was like in April and um he when he came i already made a decision to leave to leave to um to the uh, united states mm -hmm. and already told my club i'm gonna leave so and they all uh, only let players uh, let the players play that um stay in the future for the next season uh. and when sasha came they i played all the games before uh -huh. and i did i don't know if they knew that that he would come but uh, f for some reason i didn't play this game so he came all the way met me <laughs> met my parents and wanted to see me playing, but then I was just sitting 90 minutes on the bench. Oh wow! And yeah, <laughs> he watched the practice the next day. But I mean, it was still a good, a good meeting. Oh, we had yeah. we had like very, very good conversations, and he saw me uh, practicing, so at least something. Yeah. So what what kind of made you like think that you know Maryland is is the place? Because you have the entire country kind of to to pick from, really, when you're coming all the way over. What kind of made it clear to you that? University of Maryland is is the school for me. I think it, it's a very good uh, soccer program, and I, I I heard already like I told you as I mentioned earlier, a lot of friends went here, so they told me a lot of good things that Maryland has a great uh, big history, mm -hmm. 
and I heard also it's academically very good. So I also take care of my academics. So I wanted to have a good mix between a good soccer program, but also a good um, academic standard. And for me, it was like the perfect mix between academics and soccer. And also with Sasho, he convinced me and I had a very uh, good first impression of Sasho. And yeah, I um I I um back then Gordon Gordon Wild played here yeah. and he, I I got in touch with him. He told me a, a lot of good things about it. And at the end, it was um yeah, Sasha convinced me and um he really told me a lot of amazing things about the school, about the program, and I got very excited and uh, eventually decided to come here. And so you've been here and you've won a national championship after last season. And that was kind of a, an up and down year a little bit because it was difficult for you guys to score goals as a team. But then the entire season, really, the, the you guys on the back line, you, Donovan Pines, Dane, Chase, and Ben at the time were rock solid. And so kind of what was the what was the kind of emotions going through the season, knowing that we're doing a good job keeping the ball out of the back of the net, but we, now we need to score some goals to try to, to get there. And then you didn't concede a single goal in the entire the entire postseason. So kind of what was that the chemistry like among that the back four and five, including Dane? I think we had a, a great chemistry, a great friendship, not only on the field, also off the field. We did a lot of, we spent a lot of time together, and I think that really you could really see it on the field then. And I mean, it it took took us some time at the beginning of the last season. It wasn't really, I I mean, I, I knew that we could play very well, that we that we are uh, have a very solid de defense, mm -hmm. but back then we we weren't really like used to each other so we had to develop that chemistry mm -hmm. but then throughout the season i really got that feeling that we become stronger and become stronger uh, game by game mm -hmm. and eventually you, you you also saw that in the playoffs we we didn't concede a goal and yeah we had just a great uh, relationship great chemistry everyone got along with each other and we knew when we went into the game when the game started we knew that we wouldn't concede a goal we we, we had this like feeling of like being in, uh, invincible yeah and it was really a great feeling when you go into a game and you know everyone um is fighting for each other and if you have like um, if you have a bad play or if you have if you have turn the ball over the guy next to you is gonna um yeah it's gonna help you out so that's what was always a great feeling we always knew we had each other's back so that was really a great feeling and you talk about the chemistry that you guys had in the back line but y you also have some chemistry with paul ben and you seem like one of the you guys have a very close friendship and so kind of how did that start because you have paul coming from Korea, England, the Real Salt Lake, and then here, then you coming from yeah. Germany here. Kind of, what is that? What is that? That friendship like? What is that dynamic like? Yeah, it was funny at the beginning. I used to live um, my first year when I transferred here, my sophomore year. I, I used to live um, in Montgomery Hall, mm -hmm. and there were um, we, Paul Ben also lived there, but I didn't haven't known him before. So at the first weeks, we didn't really talk to each other. We we, we barely knew each other. So, but then um, as as time uh, went by, we we really uh, started talking to each other, and we really like developed this great friendship. We got to know each other, and I I I like I kind of experienced how how what kind of great guy he is. That he has a great personality. And due to like our si living situation, because we lived door, uh, door by door, we really became very good friends. And that like um, eventually we decided to move together in um, into the view. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it was really like at, at the beginning it was like we didn't know each other and we didn't really like yeah 
talk to each other. We didn't really have a connection, but then as the time went by, we really became very c uh, close friends and yeah, we, we really like appreciate each other. And so now here in your senior season, you're wearing the armband um, and you're a little bit far from home, but this past weekend, your parents came into town. Yeah, they're still in town. They're still in town? They oh. they arrived here last Saturday. It's okay. their first time in the States here. So really? First time ever? First time ever. Wow. And yeah, it, it's great. It's great that they can see me play. It's great that they can show them around here a little bit. Oh. And yeah, that they really enjoy it. They're very proud and they... Yeah, they're happy that they are here. So what did you guys do? Because they came in Saturday. They came in Saturday. I showed them a little bit around in D.C. on Sunday. Yeah. Monday, they went to the game. Uh -huh. Unfortunately, they, did, they <laughs> didn't see us winning, but I hope they bring us some luck on Friday against yeah. Indiana. So, yeah, but they, they're, they're impressed. So they, they really, I mean, it's com like it, you can't compare college um, here. You can't compare it with Germany. In Germany, we don't really have a college life. We have more like like university and sports is separated mm -hmm. so you don't really have these college sports like here so it's a completely different world and you don't have like such a big campus and yeah they were really impressed or they, they are still are impressed yeah. and they really enjoy it here and i i still hope i uh, find some time to show them around here a little bit more so when you came over obviously you grew up in germany you said you came from a pretty small village yeah now you're here in america no, your parents are not with you. It's a complete culture shock, really. How did yeah. you kind of adjust? Was there any challenges kind of going from Germany over to here? I think the biggest challenge was the language. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I had I um I got taught English in high in high school, but only the basics. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that was I would say the language was definitely the biggest challenge because if you can't really talk to someone or if you don't know how to communicate. Mm -hmm. Then it's it's really hard to like make friendships to to connect with your teammates and that was challenging at the beginning. But uh, my the team uh, the teammates two years ago that they, they welcomed me and uh, there there were no problems. They they took care of me. They helped me where they could. So and they also knew they 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 knew that I wouldn't like speak English perfectly. Yeah. So they they tried to help me out where they could. So it was really I always felt welcomed so i never like felt like i i shouldn't be here or something like that it was always like a very good vibe so now we'll move into some of those random questions that okay. are kind of off the field and i told you before you can feel free to throw anybody under the bus call anybody out you want because you're you're probably gonna have to with some of these so we'll start easy uh what would you say your favorite movie is my favorite movie <sighs> and you can give me a few this isn't time you can answer however you would like um, I don't even know how it's called in English. Uh, pretty is it Pretty Best Friends or you know it's a French it's a French movie um, oh. with the I don't even know how it's called in English. Huh. But I also like um, the the Taken Taken Three yeah. and Taken Two. Uh huh. I uh, like um, John Wick. Yeah. Is is a I, I'm more like into action thriller. Action. I don't have like a specific like favorite movie, but like more like the genre. Yeah, like the, like the genre, like John Wick, ta the, all the Taken um, movies. So yeah. What about TV shows? Is there anything you're watching on Netflix uh, or anything? I used to watch on Netflix uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. I um, watched Narcos. Mm -hmm. And I also enjoyed Forda. I don't know if you know Forda. Mm -mm. Um, and I en enjoyed watching Bodyguard. It's a it's also on Netflix. It's all Netflix. So, yeah, yeah I enjoyed 
watching these like Netflix series, yeah. What about like music? Do you have anything you listen to before a game to kind of get you pumped up? Or is there anything you just kind of listen to when you're off by yourself studying, doing whatever? Uh, f when I study, I actually need it like pretty quiet. So yeah. I can't listen to music, which just distract me. Mm -hmm. And when we have a game, I either hip hop or EDM, mm -hmm. one or the other, whatever, like, I usually I I don't use my uh, my headphones or earphones bef before the game. I just listen like b whatever we play on the speaker. Yeah. So it's, I'm fine with everything like EDM as 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 long as it's no country, it's it's <laughs> fine. So you're one of the guys that's like no country, I will not have yeah, it. Yeah. None of that. But no one would play that before games. So. Yeah, that's fair. I know some of the guys said they'll listen to that on their own, but they I guess they won't bring it into the locker room. They they listen country before. So, some of them do. Well, oh. not maybe not before the game. Uh, actually, Eric said he does a little bit. He said he doesn't like to get the heart rate too high. So like sometimes by himself oh, okay. he might listen to a little bit of country. I know Nick said that he'll listen to it a little bit. Okay. I maybe want to say Justin. Maybe said a little bit too. Justin Gielen or Harris? Gielen, I think. Okay. I think it, it may not have been him. Got to talk to him. If that's right, <laughs> I have to find it out. I got to talk to him. Because you guys were roommates over the summer, right? We were roommates. How yeah. did that go? What was that like? That was good. Um, I mean, we, we were always like got along well, mm -hmm. but in during the summer, we really like um, developed like a closer friendship, and it was really a good time. We 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 we, uh, room, we were roommates uh, for five weeks in Florida when mm -hmm. we played for the summer team. And it was really a fun time. We had really like we we, we really um got very close. So he's a great guy. So yeah, we had a lot of fun there. So we'll kind of stick with the music type of stuff. Did you have to sing a karaoke song when you when you got here? I had, and I remember they all were very happy yeah. that I that I sang a song. What, so what song did you sing? I sang "Closer" by Chainsmokers. Oh yeah, and. Yeah, I mean, all, all they 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 usually they they boo they boo <laughs> for all the freshmen, but uh -huh. for me uh, they they clap their hands. Yeah. I got some applause. So there you go. So I don't know um, <laughs> who who said that I'm the worst singer because I completely disagree with that, that statement. That was going to be the next question. A few of the guys have said that. Uh, so they've said that Paul is probably the best on the team. That is true. Y okay, so yeah. you you agree with that? Yeah. Um, so th he seems to be uh, be a favorite, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, your name has come up a few times. Okay, I mean that could be possible because they're jealous, maybe. So, <laughs> oh, so it's an ego thing. They yeah. can't they can't say that you're any good. Yeah, that's fair. I yeah. think that's a pretty that's a pretty reasonable yeah. point. So, <laughs> I don't even know who's. We have a lot of like bad singers. So, yeah. who else? I mean, Eli is pretty bad. Yeah, Justin Gillan is pretty bad. Huh. So all this, yeah. So maybe it is because all the guys yeah. that have said that you you were not a great singer. I don't know, like, um, for example, did Justin Gillen also say, um, say that I'm a bad singer? I think so, yeah. Because he has never heard me singing, so I don't know really? where he got that from. So yeah. He's never heard you singing? No, when I, when I sang the song two years ago, he wasn't uh, on the team. Well, yeah, but they're saying just kind of like in general, like not just with the karaoke, but just like when you guys are in the locker room or just whenever you might be singing. Do you not sing much at all? I mean, sometimes I sing, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not around it's Justin? Just, just, just out of fun. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so if you were to do just a karaoke song now, what would be no. your go-to? What would you pick? I have, I have no idea. I would, <laughs> I would probably uh, because I know the lyrics from Chains, uh, Chainsmokers from yeah. Closer. So yeah. I would probably sing Closer again. Yeah, it's it's a reliable right now, choice. Yeah. I, I, right now, I I wouldn't I wouldn't know what I would sing. Yeah. So especially like in English. So yeah, I, I that's don't know. It, the language barrier makes it a little yeah. tough. So if you were to do a karaoke duet with somebody on the team. Who would you pick to be your your duet partner? Um, 
I would probably would pick Paul Ben. Yeah? Yeah. I would love to see that. Yeah. I think that would be very interesting to watch yeah. the two of you singing together. I think so, too. We could make some money, I guess. <laughs> Maybe go hit, hit a few of the, the places around College Park and yeah. go for an open mic night. Yeah. Um, who would you say has the best hair on the team? And you are allowed to say yourself if you feel so. <sighs> I mean, after myself, <laughs> um, I would say Eli. Yeah. Because I never have... I never had like curled hair, uh-huh. obviously. So I, w- you would want to have a little bit of yeah. curl like Eli does. Yeah, I mean, you always want to have something that you don't have. So <laughs> That's I would say Ryan Plumberg and Eli. Mm-hmm. So who on the team would you say is most likely to oversleep and miss something? Just Craig Eigerberger. Okay, he's been a very popular choice, <laughs> and so he's also been the answer when I've asked who maybe has who's like the messiest, like the messiest locker, car, apartment, or something. I would say correct. Yeah. When you're here in the United States, what do you miss the most about being home in Germany? I would say the food. Mm-hmm. Here you have a lot of fast food, so <laughs> that's a big difference. And I mean, it's pretty similar except for the food. I would say mm-hmm. so. The f- I would say the food. Yeah. Yeah. That's and so, what about what about the opposite? When you're home in Germany, what do you miss most about being over here? I would say just like the the campus in general, the vibe of co- the college. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I would say, like, the college life. Who's the best cook on the team? Who's the best at making food? Eli and Eli? myself. Yeah? Yeah, I also like to cook, so. Who is the worst cook on the team? Can't even make toast or anything. <laughs> Can't even make toast. I mean, I know that Paul Bin is pretty bad. Yeah? I had to teach him how to do, like, an omelet, how to cut onions really? and all that stuff. So, huh. Paul Bin is pretty bad in that. But he improved. He has improved, so. Um... Who can't even make a toast? <laughs> it's a good question. I think all the guys are okay, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, d- I don't know about life. Never lived, for example, with Greg or one of the freshmen, so yeah. I can't really say how the freshmen are. <laughs> if there are some special cases. Do you have any pregame rituals or anything you kind of go through leading up to the game? I usually, when I arrive here, I take a shower. Mm-hmm. I take a shower here, get like, I feel like fresher. Mm-hmm. And then I always have to like, make my hair here and i was gonna ask about that because i think justin told me that you bring a hair a hair dryer yeah I, I, I sometimes bring a hair dryer to <laughs> to um yeah make to dry my hair and then to um put some gel in it i mean if you if you feel good you know yeah. then well, then you play good so yeah was it you feel good you play good you play good you win yeah, yeah. and then you get paid good so <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah. um let's see do you have any secret talents any special talents that people might not know secret talents i don't think so i mean i've been playing soccer for my whole life yeah. so i guess that's my not <laughs> that's my high key talent so yeah. but not my like low key talent i yeah. don't don't know if i have any low key talents i don't think so if you were going to play one other sport here because obviously soccer has been your life but if you were to play one other sport here at maryland what sport would it be I mean, I tried golf. Golf is pretty hard, but very interesting. Yeah. But actually, my my favorite sport, like besides soccer, would be basketball. Okay. I would like to play basketball. Mm-hmm. It's I've never played lacrosse because lacrosse is la- not popular it's in not Germany. Thing, yeah. It's it it's not existing in Germany. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm also not. I I mean, I would say I'm I'm okay in basketball, but compared to the states here, yeah. to to people that play here, yeah. it's it's not good. Germany is not <laughs> has not a like high standard. I would probably say the closest would be basketball because I can't f- play football at all. That's all like, that's also <laughs> a thing. Like you don't have these kind of sports yeah. in Germany. So, 
that's also a big difference. Mm. Yeah. So do you have a European club that you support probably in Ger Germany or, or anything else? Like what is the team that you like watching? In, um, in Germany, I support Bayer Leverkusen okay. and also Barcelona. I like Barcelona a lot. Yeah. That I like the two like nationally I support Leverkusen by Leverkusen in Germany and international more Barcelona so. I have an Im impression of um, Justin Gion please he he loves to uh, he loves to use the word uh, also um, it's actually a, a thing like of Brian Bedia William Hervé oh, and yeah. um, Justin Gillen, uh -huh. they, they, they like to uh, use the word for sure <laughs> for sure or oh, that's Unreal, <laughs> unreal. <laughs> Those are the two that they use a lot. Yeah, for sure, and unreal. There you uh, go. The probably two most <laughs> used words in their vocabulary. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so last thing, going into the game tonight against Indiana on Friday, what would you say is kind of the message in the team after the game Georgetown, but now kind of going into such a big game against Indiana, who's kind of one of your rivals now? I think we should just file that game against Georgetown. We we I would say two thirds of the game were pretty good. One third of the, the the last third of the game was not that good. So we should like think or remember the good parts of the game. We should transfer that to the Indiana game. Should play a little bit more aggressive and should really believe in ourselves and should keep like the confidence high and should always believe in ourselves so that we should think like we could beat anyone, even though we de deal with some adversity right now and. Yeah, it's it's uh, we we missed some really key players, but I think that brings us even closer together. And um, yeah, I think we should just like always remember these components, and then we are ready for Indiana. Great. Well, Johannes, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very I much. Appreciate it. You're listening to the Ludwig Lowdown with Brendan Hartlove and Tom Hindle. So once again, we'd like to thank Johannes Bergman for taking the time to sit down with me and talk about quite a lot of different things and like he said his parents will be lot. in town yes like he said his parents will be in town tonight for the game against indiana terps hoping to give the bergman family a little bit of something to cheer about this time around <laughs> um and it's going to be a very difficult match and we know the history there's a lot of history between these two teams especially i mean you could write a book on just the matchups last year alone three times or you could write an article about it or which you in could fact i did which is coming out imminently Yes, it is. Plug, so, plug. You can read that. Plug, plug. WMACsports.net at what you, Thomas underscore. Thomas underscore Hindle. Underscore. underscore. <laughs> yes. Uh, nobody knows about this second underscore. Anyways, a lot of history, especially last year. They played three times yeah. against each other uh, in the regular season. Maryland lost, conceding in the final seconds. And the Big Ten tournament semifinals. Maryland lost in penalty kicks. But then, when it mattered most, in Santa Barbara, California, in the College Cup semifinals, the Terps third time's the charm, took down Indiana 2-0 to go on to the national championship game. And, I mean, we could do an entire podcast just on those three games, um, but kind of going through the regular season, or all last season, they had Andrew Gutman, who, Matt Herman Trophy winner for the best player in college soccer, signed with Celtic in Scotland, and then kind of <coughs> bounced around a little bit. Uh, I think he's, he's FC Cincinnati right now. Yeah, their season's over, though, so I don't know he's where not he is. He's not anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, but Andrew, if you're listening, we're sorry. Yes. So, but a phenomenal player. I mean, I don't think anybody will disagree with that. He was a left back that constantly got forward and got into the attack. He was one of Indiana's top offensive contributors, both scoring and assists. And he was a phenomenal player to watch and somebody that had Maryland's number 
all season long, both in the regular season and in the Big Ten tournament. And one of my favorite things was in the pre-College Cup trip press conference when Sasha Swarovski was asked about Andrew Gutman. He was like, he's no good. And he was trying to downplay And he was doing this jokingly. Yeah. He was like, all season long, I've talked about how great he is as a player and how much of a threat he is, and he's come back to bite us every time. So I'm going to see this time if I kind of undermine him a little bit and say, oh, he's overrated, he's not that good. Maybe maybe it'll help in their favor. Genius strategy works all the time with me for intramural soccer. Team's best player, nothing. Doesn't score. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so uh, All I'm saying is Sasha's taking a page out of Tom Hindle's playbook. Sure. Yeah. You keep telling yourself that, mate. Oh. Um, anyways, so they do go to Santa Barbara, and, uh, I mean, you and I have called it a tactical masterclass of how they dealt with Andrew Gutman. We're not going to spend too much time on it, but they were able to almost completely neutralize him in that game. Two words? Sure. Paul Ben. Yes. Genius. Yes. Really, honestly, such a clever idea. A player that you don't think of as defensive. Hey, go go out there, lad. Mark the best player Roman in soccer. Him. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Kept him off the ball, and every time he did get on the ball, he pressured him and forced him to kind of play back to his center backs or yeah. in the midfield. Wasn't able to get forward at all. So, Indergruman, of course, as we said, has moved on to greener pastures in the pros. So they have lost him. They lost ten starters, Indiana. Uh, so they lost ten starters. They did not lose a step this season. They are the number six team in the country. And they come into tonight's game with a record of 8-1-3. They are undefeated 4-0 in Big Ten play. Their only loss coming to Butler this season. Um, and they've been a very, very strong side this season. Well, they're a team that hasn't lost the Big Ten regular season game since 2015. They're 32 games undefeated right now in Big Ten regular season play. Fun stat for you there, Brendan. Thank you. And they're playing like it. Yeah. They are playing with a, with a confidence, with a swagger, and... For some, for a team that has lost so many players, they should be worse than this. They really should yeah. be worse than this. But you know, full credit to them. They they have they've found it again. Yeah, and it's interesting because you kind of looked at these two teams from last year, and everybody had this matchup circled on the calendar this season. Absolutely. And it was two teams that lost essentially the core of their team. We've talked about it time and time again. The number of players Maryland lost from last season. But Indiana lost quite a bit as well. And so it was interesting kind of to see that Maryland has maybe struggled a little bit with replacing some of those players and hasn't quite had the season. I mean, comparing the two teams, Indiana has been phenomenal at having lost 10 starters. Absolutely. Maryland has been solid, but not... Still piecing it together. Correct. Um, and so that's kind of where we pick it up for tonight's game and that... Indiana has been very, very solid, and they have a lot of great threats. And I went on to the Indiana soccer podcast on Wednesday over at the Hoosier Network. Those guys are coming into town. They'll be in the booth with us in the press box covering the game just as well, um, and then doing the game football game Saturday. A bunch of great guys, and so Connor Hines asked me to, to be on, and I did. Had a great time, and we talked a lot about what this matchup means and how yeah. for Indiana it's they, – they kind of talked about – how this season they're ranked number six in the nation, but they were trying to figure out, is that actually where Indiana deserves to be? Is that okay. where they belong type of thing? And they said uh, kind of at this point, they're starting to lean more towards yes. They are a huh. number six team in the nation. They are that top ten. Um, I think they just dropped down. They were number four last week. They just dropped down to number six a sure. little bit. Still very good. Still How dare very they? high. Exactly. The nerve of some Hoosiers. Um, <laughs> but so a very strong side that has yeah. some momentum right now. And kind of when you look at their team, we talked about how they lost 10 starters. That one returning starter is Jack Mayer, who's a 
probably one of the best center backs in the nation getting some looks. If not in the, the year. Yes, correct. And that's Maryland had that in Donovan Pines last year. Now, how the turntables have. Um, <laughs> and Jack Mayer for Indiana this year. And so that's going to be very interesting, especially with Maryland kind of struggling to score a little bit and create some chances, how they're going to match up with Indiana's back line, who collectively has been strong, but Jack Mayer in particular is kind of that standout guy. Well, he leads it. He's an absolute beast. Yeah. He's 6'3", and is just massive. I mean, He's still only a sophomore, too, yeah, by but. the way. He was a freshman <laughs> last season and, and was fantastic. And was phenomenal. Didn't look out of place in probably, you know, top to bottom, the among the more talented rosters in college soccer and has sure. continued to do so again. It's it's really interesting. You've seen you've seen a freshman who inherited kind of a leadership role as a freshman. By the way, there's a lot made of like this idea of leadership in soccer. Mm-hmm. But as a center back, yeah. especially when you are just big and talented, you've got to be like, listen, lads. Yeah. I am directing you. This is where you belong. I'm the captain now. I am the captain now. <laughs> and he has taken on the role of the of the talisman, yeah. the stalwart. And you know, credit to him. And he is part of the reason that this defense has been so good. Yeah. And uh, so kind of when you compare uh, the matchup tactically, um, Indiana has a lot of pace on the wings. They have for a very long time now. And that was one of the questions the guys asked me is, how is Maryland's back line suited to dealing with that? And it might be quite well because both Matt and Ben DeRosa have fantastic speed. And they are able to keep up with them. However, there are times that that's been exploited. Absolutely, and we referred to this about Georgetown, right? Second half looked a bit leggy. But to be honest, um, these pacey teams that try and play around the outside against Maryland historically haven't done that well, especially this year as well. I mean, the teams that have beat you, um, specifically Virginia, Mm -hmm. Virginia beat Maryland because they had one absolute beast of a forward in DK that, like, Maryland just couldn't deal with. They bullied him. Yeah, they played through the middle, is my is my point yeah. here. Going around the outside of Maryland is incredibly difficult, so maybe tactically this matchup works quite well. Mm-hmm. The issue I see with this is Maryland's connectivity in the middle. Yeah. So if you're battling all game to try and soak up quite a bit of pressure, mm-hmm. it is absolutely crucial that your counterattacks and your chances on the ball, when they come, are just as clean as possible. And that's that's when it becomes an interesting tactical matchup. Yeah, and I mean, when you kind of look at how these teams are going to line up, Maryland has been a little um, inconsistent. It's not the right word, but they've, they've adapted. They've changed. Yeah. Uh, we've seen them. They started the season in that 4-2-3-1 uh, type, thing. type thing. And then they moved to that 3-5-2 uh, where they had the back three and the full backs. Um, and then we saw them go kind of with that. 4141 type type of thing. Yeah. Um so it's going to be interesting. I frankly don't have an answer on what I think the formation is going to be. I'm not expecting a complete overhaul of tactics after the loss of Georgetown and I'm not expecting any um overreaction f- from Sasha Sorowski because I don't think he's done that in 27 years of no, coaching. Here. Absolutely not. Um, but so I think that it's going to be a very interesting matchup both kind of on the team sheet a little bit and just kind of on the whiteboard, if you will. But also, once you get inside the lines, it's just going to be a battle between these two teams. Absolutely. And, you know, you've watched a lot more Maryland soccer than I have over the years coming to these games (laughs) as a kid, right? But I've never seen Sasho Sarovsky get tactically outclassed. He he always he always has a plan, Mm -hmm. and I think I think this this game could be one of those. Not only does he have have a plan. But he's able to adapt that plan as the match goes on. Absolutely, and we've yes. seen them uh, several times change formations on the fly, and they're well 
drilled and that well versed in training and so um kind of making those those in-game adjustments unlike some other maryland head coaches um <laughs> are, are, oh, no. are, 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 i'm sorry are oh, no. uh very it's one of it's one of his best skills um so Brendan. i'm sorry um, levels of savagery <laughs> anyways um My so gosh. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very interesting game <laughs> and obviously we're gonna talk about this one a little bit more than we will yellow monday because this is kind of the rivalry for maryland now this and is it this, this is it after i mean you joined the big 10 a little bit late so you lost kind of those rivalry matchups with the virginia you see it coming back a little bit now but it's sure. not the same um you had duke and north carolina and all that kind of all those big marquee matchups um, but then one of the questions when Maryland joined the Big Ten, and they had this conversation and a lot of sports are still having it, is who's Maryland's rival? You know what? To be honest, I've got no idea. When I came to this when I came <laughs> to this school, no, I mean for the school as no, a whole, no, no, right? Yeah. When, I, when I came here from, you know, the, from, from afar, yes. the, the, there, isn't, there isn't like a rivalry school, a universal like rivalry school, Dude. especially in the Big Ten. In the Big Ten. In the Big is, Ten, is no, what that's what I mean, yeah. For soccer, I think it has kind of steadily become Indiana. I mean, you look at the history between these two teams, especially in the Big Ten. You've got a lot of close matchups. Mm-hmm. You've got fans packing the stadiums. Yep. In 2015, there were 6,900 fans yeah. for Maryland-Indiana, just a regular season game. Mm-hmm. Literally just a gosh darn frigid <laughs> um, October night, and it yeah. was like a nil-nil double overtime draw. But people packed it. Yeah. So this is it. This is this is where you go if you want to see two of the best programs in college soccer. College soccer r- history. Yes. Routinely play each other year in, year out. This is where you come. Yes. And so I mean, the guys agree with me at, over at the Hoosier Network that this kind of is that is that rivalry right now, yeah. and it's developed, and it's it's kind of because you always like pretty much in every sport you're like, oh, Penn State, right? Uh, geographically, sure, sure. but. This is different. This is this is a between the lines rivalry that really has taken shape over the past few seasons, and especially with the stakes of the games last year, um, holds a little bit more weight going into this year. I mean, you see it in like actual soccer as well, right? Yeah. In the sense that, like, technically, um, as a Liverpool fan, go for it. Technically, as a Liverpool fan, yes, I despise Everton. Yeah. But I hate Manchester United more, mm-hmm. just because there's more history there. Yeah. And also, I hate Manchester United fans. Yeah. But that's no, not but the po- point. Yeah, but <laughs> point being, right? That and I think that soccer's maybe a unique sport in terms of cultivating these rivalries. And yeah. I think you've kind of seen like a a mini or a concentrated version of that in the yeah. s- in the collegiate game, which is awesome. That's what that's what this sport should do. Mm-hmm. And so. When you kind of look at the game tonight, um, it will be packed. It is family weekend here on the campus of the University of Maryland. My family will be in attendance. Give it up for um, family weekend. Give it up everybody. for family weekend. Um, so my, my mom and dad won't be I'm, here. I'm sorry, Tom. You can you can hang out with my parents. They're like they can be your East Coast parents. Okay, fantastic. Um, so, anyways, uh, so but I, the reason I bring that up is because you're gonna have a lot of people on campus this weekend. Absolutely. And so I people say they're coming in for the football game Saturday. They're not big soccer people. They fly in Friday afternoon. Oh, what's going on tonight? Oh. Soccer game. Uh-huh. Okay. It's pretty cheap. <laughs> we'll go. And so Absolutely I think you're going to have sure. a very good crowd on hand. And it's been difficult. We've seen maybe the attendance not be what it has been in years past. It's been a difficult schedule. Weather hasn't been great. Um, but tomorrow is supposed to be a beautiful day. Glorious. It is supposed to be a big-time matchup between Maryland and Indiana. And it is going to be an overall fantastic night for some Big Ten rivalry soccer. 
couldn't have posted it better myself. Well, thank you. So, um, and obviously, go check out uh, the guys over at the Hoosier Net too. Uh, they do a really great job of covering their team. And I mean, not to kind of inflate ours and their egos, but I would probably argue that out of all of the Big Ten schools that we've kind of interacted with or whatever, those guys do probably. I, would say along with us the best job of covering their their sports teams um in a very similar way that that we do here um, absolutely in, in college park one so, of them retweeted me one time as well which was nice so there you go you're, you're <laughs> all, you guys are like best friends now, yeah so. basically um but yeah we're really looking forward to those guys coming into town they'll also be covering the game at the same time always nice to have some fellow big 10 media family a student media family with us so we will now pivot a little bit pivot uh, I knew you were gonna <laughs> say that. That to funny. the game against Yale on Monday night because obviously all the attention is against Indiana on Monday or on Friday tonight excuse me but then very quickly Maryland again a quick turnaround yeah. against Yale who you think Yale uh, they're no Indiana they're right. no Virginia whatever they are they just jumped into the number 24 spot in the nation they're not a pushover I think like I said before I think this game is a little bit bigger than people are realizing well even the the quote-unquote easier matchups uh-huh. are hard. Oh, yeah, because you look at Maryland's schedule, that's what they do every year. Yeah, it's year. what they do every year, yeah. but maybe looking and say, oh, it's an Ivy League team, and maybe there's this like Ivy League prejudice or whatever it may be, but this is a Just really... Just too smart for, to be athletic. I know, how dare they? <laughs> you can't be good at everything. Yeah, everyone's so perfect. Shout out JP Shofi, one of my best mates. Playing <laughs> a, oh God, the worst. But um, point is, this this is a really, really good football team. Yeah. Soccer team, same thing. But... Yeah. um. If you're listening to this, you know what you mean. Exactly. They they score they score at a good rate. They're scoring two point three goals per game. That's good. They're not conceding at all. Yeah. They've only conceded six all season and they pepper the goal with shots. Yes. Fourteen shots a game, that's a lot. So these guys are creating chances and they're putting the ball in the back of the net. And it doesn't matter who you're playing, what level you're playing at, if you are home or away, if you can create chances, you are dangerous. That's very well said. I, I will. I will not argue. I will not contest that at all. So I mean, like obviously, like I said, we're going to focus a lot of our attention on Indiana. But this game against Yale on Monday, no, it's not a Big Ten game. It's not going to help you with your seating for the Big Ten tournament. Uh, it's an RPI game. But at the same time, I I would even argue more. It's a momentum game. Yes. It is because yeah, it's conditional based on how the game goes against Indiana tonight. If Maryland wins that game, but then loses to Yale again or or ties and doesn't put in a great performance you're again taking kind of a step back three steps forward four steps back yes exactly and so but if maryland comes out and beats indiana and then goes and beats yale those are two top 25 wins in a row to then continue you on into the rest of big 10 play finish out the regular season well you know what talking to players after the georgetown game and then when i had a good chat with nick richardson and eric matzalevich uh yes well two days ago Mm -hmm. um that was that was the thing they said yeah. That was the resounding message. This Indiana game is so big, not only because of the rivalry, yeah. but also if we win this, this is this is hopefully the turning point. Yeah. And then to do it against Yale again is gonna be difficult, but two two massive games and if you win both then it's then things are looking up. And you do have to be a little bit realistic and understand that there's a chance Maryland does not win this game against Indiana. We've talked about how strong of a team they are. Yeah. And so that, again, back-to-back losses against Georgetown and then Indiana, a win against Yale could yeah. put you back into that kind of momentum a little bit. So I think it's important to kind of – this game against Indiana is going to be the turning point. However, the game against Yale Monday – 
adds on top of maybe whatever happened and can really kind of play into the rest of Maryland's season depending on the result against Indiana. I don't know if that made any sense. It did a little bit. Okay. It did a little bit. Point is, both games are difficult. Yes. You win. You could win one, not win the other. Yes. And you could lose the first and win the second and maybe still feel good about yourself, right? Exactly, yes. That's kind of what I was going for. Exactly. Um, but thank so, you. so you know what? Two wins would be massive. One win would be okay. No wins and you're... Ugh. Yeah, then, then you're a little bit concerned. So both of those games will be here on WMUC Sports Radio. I will have the call with Joe Malfoy tonight, uh, as we did in Santa Barbara. Uh, oh, it's so it is poetic in a way. So, yep, Joe and I back together um, as we were Monday night against Georgetown. So we will have that call once again on WMUC Sports. Now, it is worth noting that because of the ALCS for uh, MLB playoffs and Big, Big Ten football, well, the the game was supposed to be on the Big Ten Network. The Maryland-Indiana game was supposed to be on the Big Ten Network. It's been moved to Fox Sports 2, which in the nicest way possible because no I also kind of <laughs> work for Fox Sports in a way. Uh Nobody has FS2. <laughs> not, ma- not many people do. So if you want to be, if you're not able to come out to Ludwig, which again, I obviously encourage anybody to, to come out to Ludwig, Absolutely. Maryland, Indiana fan, neutral, open Friday night, whatever. Um, come out to the game. But if you can't, nothing we, better to do. <laughs> exactly. Um, come out, come out to the game. But if not, uh, we will have the call on WMUC Sports Radio. Mm-hmm. And Joe and I have been there for the history of the of these two teams a little bit, and so um, it's going to be a really fun game to call. It's gonna be a really fun night having having the Indiana guys in town as well, um, and hopefully that uh, it's an exciting night. At and the, I'm at, gonna at be the on the halftime show, and you will be on the halftime show, so you will you will be making another appearance. Um, and <laughs> what then, was that laugh? I don't know. Um, and then we'll obviously have the game against Yale on Monday. Forget who has that. Who does the call on that off the top of my head? Figure it out later. Um, <laughs> but we will also have that game, of course, as always. So we will now pivot. Into I didn't mean to do that twice. That's hey, that's the same joke twice. Yeah. Um, into our pro terp segment because MLS playoffs are starting up a little bit, and we not a little bit, a lot of it. And so we did not have the chance last week uh, because I talked with Nick Richardson for yeah. a very long time, which was fantastic stuff. Very but chatty man. Yes, and so it doesn't help that I am a little bit too. But it's not beside the point. Hadn't and noticed. <laughs> we've been we've been recording for how long today? <laughs> um, and so we'll now get into kind of the pro because there's a lot of former Terrapins that are on MLS rosters that have had success and made their way into the MLS playoffs. So uh, we will start with a guy that we've talked about quite a lot this season and for very good reason, and that's Chase Gasper of Minnesota United. And so it came out this week that he finished fifth in the MLS Rookie of the Year poll. And so I saw the, the top three come out, I think, the day before or so. Right. And I understood why those three guys – Chase was not one of the top three at, at the time – and I kind of understood. I was like, okay, it makes sense. But I feel like Chase definitely could have been there because he's played a very significant role yeah. for the Loons this season. That is what Minnesota's name is. That's I just love saying that. Not particularly great, uh, actually. It's mm, very fine. Minnesota. Um, <laughs> Minnesota, which is just South Canada. But it's very whatever. nicely done. Um, and so, but yeah, Chase finished fifth in the MLS Rookie of the Year poll, which is very well deserved. He should get that recognition because he has been such a crucial part of Minnesota's back line that has made the push into the playoff for the first time in their Major League Soccer history. Yeah, and, you know, say say what you will about his impact at Minnesota, which sure. has clearly been terrific, but you could just tell that kind of when he was at Maryland, he had that look and that feel of someone who could definitely take the step to yes. the next level. Someone who was just very composed, read the game very well, yep. and just also kind of had this 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 swagger about him, this understanding. And I think he, he had, <laughs> to use a Ted Lasso quote, oh, this knowingness inside of him yes. <laughs> that he was... Um, 
<laughs> that he was, you know, that he could make it the next level. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's fantastic to see yet another Terrapin do that. Yeah. And so there were several times I've obviously followed the combine because that's who I am as a human. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, I saw several times that a lot of people kind of assessing um, the players in the combine and their professional prospects. Several people said Chase Gasper is the most pro ready left back in the draft, most pro-ready left-back available. And I th think that's, that's a it. very fair assessment. And it's shown in the fact that he has didn't start the season as their starting left-back, but as time went on, he has made that spot his own and will continue to be a very big part for Minnesota in their playoff run. I'd be interested to know if the plan was to always kind of hold him back and give him a give him a shot later on in the season, or if it was just like he was in competition or whatever. Mm -hmm. But he's done enough this year to state his claim as a, you know, a very good MLS yeah. left back for quite a bit of time, so yeah. good on him. And so Minnesota comes in the fourth seed in the Western Conference. They will be matched up with the fifth-seeded LA Galaxy on October 20th oh, at 8.30 p.m. on ESPN. And that's going to be an interesting matchup because so Chase Gasper has the honor and the privilege of taking the field with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And my mind is on Chase. The, um. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I cannot stand – I'm not getting into his Latin rant, so yeah. let's just leave it there. Um, anyway, so again, that game, and then Minnesota does have a pretty tough road because they will go, if they beat LA Galaxy, will go against LAFC in the uh, conference semifinals, which yeah. be very tough test. Um, additionally, in the Western Conference, Eric Williamson has seen some minutes for Portland yeah. over this season, um, and they have made the playoffs as the number six seed in the Western Conference. I don't necessarily know if I see him getting a ton of playing time in the playoffs just He'll because he, get a look, though. He, he very well could as maybe a late-game sub or something, but he wasn't contributing a ton. He was playing a lot with Portland Timbers, too, and was getting a lot of success there as well. Um, but once you get into the playoffs, you a lot of times you ride the guys that got you there kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And so definitely keep your eye on that matchup because he very well could make an impact, <laughs> and that game will be on October 19th at 10 p.m., on ESPN News, I believe. So we go now to the Eastern Conference, and we will start with Atlanta United and Mikey Ambrose, who was a fullback for Maryland for uh, a few years here. And he is playing with Atlanta, who's doing much better than they started the season. Very um, odd. Very odd season for Atlanta, especially after the sheer dominance they had last year. But mm. Mikey Ambrose has gotten some time and some minutes uh, this season and very well could feature in the playoffs as well. And so Atlanta will take on New England Revolution, on October 19th at 1 o'clock Eastern on Univision. Uh, <laughs> did I say that correctly? Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so he may feature there. But if you are a Maryland soccer <laughs> nut, like I might be considered by some. So you know what? It's funny, though, because you are the biggest Maryland soccer fan in the world talking to slightly less yeah. <laughs> less nerdy yeah. Maryland soccer fans through a podcast that you help create. Sorry. Just yeah, no, I mean, I mean, obviously I have I have other reasons for creating this podcast, but one of the reasons was I just need to talk about this kind of <laughs> stuff, and I feel bad just dragging my roommates into it sometimes. Or your and friends. Like, or my, or yeah, and the, well, that's why I recruited you this year, too. So <laughs> I really just, yeah, you know. Anyway, uh, the matchup, if you're a Maryland soccer fan or a just Maryland alum, fan, whatever, whatever, the matchup for you to be watching is on October 19th at 6 p.m. Eastern between the fourth-seeded Toronto FC and the fifth-seeded DC United. Yeah. There are 
countless Terps involved in that game for Toronto. And I know we've talked about this several times this season. Yeah. You have Omar Gonzalez, who has come back. You have Subasa Endo, who has really kind of come into his own this season, actually contributed quite a bit on the offensive side of the ball. You have Patrick Mullins as well for Toronto. D.C. United has been kind of that team that's always had Terps on their roster. You have yeah. Chris Seitz, who's the backup goalkeeper. But Donovan Pines from last year. You have uh, Chris Adui Atchum. And you have Gordon Wild, who probably won't play too much in the playoffs, but he's still on the roster. He was a terrific player for a couple of years there at Maryland as well. It's been kind of a little, or I hope, that he really gets into the picture at D.C. United. And, and he very well could. I, it may not be the time to have this full conversation, but we've talked several times about him performing well for Loudoun United, yeah. their uh, USL affiliate. And Wayne Rooney's not going to be in the picture for D.C. United next year, uh, going back over to England. Oh, so Gordon Wild. You have that guy in your system. He's in your program. Program. You're in your club. Um, and I mean, he might see some minutes next year. I think he very well could, especially with the success he's had coming into the close of, of 2019. Absolutely. So, so, any thoughts on? I know you're a Brit. You're not exactly uh, engrossed in the MLS playoffs sure. like some. Well, one thing I will say is specifically pertaining to DC United is that. Number one, I think it is fantastic that you see a club increasingly reach into the local talent pool. Yeah. And I think that's only going to get bigger because with such an emphasis now on homegrown contracts, yep. like you've seen Maryland, for one, lose, what, two or three recruits over the past like year because they signed homegrowns. Yeah. Justin Hack, New York uh, City FC, and George Campbell, 2.0. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I think I think it is really good So to, to see those DMV players then kind of like perform at the next level for their local club as yeah. well. So, I mean, it's hard to not pull for DC United a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, for one, my my favorite player to watch at Maryland since I've been here mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to distance myself yeah, from yeah, fandom yeah, yeah, yeah. was always Donovan Pines. Yeah. So it's a bit of a shame that he has maybe, like, fallen out of the picture a bit. But then again, he's still young. He's still a part of that team. Yeah. And, you know, DC United had their ups, had their downs. But when they've put it together, have looked like a really good squad. Yeah. So I'll be I'll be looking out for that one. Um, and I mean, just some of the other trips that didn't make the playoffs. You have AJ Delagars at Houston Dynamo, um, Zach McMath who's with Vancouver, uh, going down the list, and then the Terps at Sporting Kansas City and Rodney Wallace and Graham Susie also not making the cut this season. And then just other shout out uh, Sebastian Elney scored Wednesday night for New York Red Bulls yeah. too. Um, and is actually he's provided quite a few goals this season for them. And so uh, when you kind of look at Bradley Wright Phillips at New York Red Bulls, aging out of the picture a little bit, you laugh at the mention of his name. Um, but Gosh, forgot he existed. Yeah, well, he hasn't been playing that much. But uh, Seb is there in the program as well and contributing quite a bit. Last player to touch on, um, a disappointing I'm not going to get started on this, but a disappointing performance by the U.S. men's national team Tuesday night <laughs> oh against Canada no. oh in no. the CONCACAF Nations League. And so, yeah, you got the 6 nothing win over Cuba. Uh, Seven. Yes, that's right. Four goals in 13 yes, minutes. because John Strong said it, he thought it was going to be six. Um, <laughs> and so, but Zach did not play in the first game. He did play against Canada uh, on Tuesday night. And they lost to nothing, and that's the extent that I will discuss that. But Zach goes you back. You sent me at least ten texts of five plus sentences. Yeah. <laughs> I think I ended it with "Thank you for coming to my TED talk." <laughs> um, 
So, yes, but Zach is still the number one for the U.S. national team, and he goes back to his club, Fortuna Dusseldorf, in the Bundesliga uh, to continue playing with them. And he has had some individual success, the team maybe not quite as much, but in future podcasts we will continue uh, to keep you updated there, and we'll continue to keep you updated through the remainder of the MLS playoffs. So, Tom, your closing thoughts on the matchup against Indiana tonight or Yale Monday or MLS playoffs or <laughs> – Anything you, you want to vent you about. Have, you have 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, the thing is is that there's there's this concept of a must-win game, right, mm-hmm. in soccer. And I don't think such a thing exists, to be honest, because there is always another game. There yep. is always a reason that every game is important, right? Yep. But if there ever was one, it would be against Indiana tonight. Mm-hmm. Because a win there is just, just is so much in terms of a confidence builder. It says... A win says, yeah, we always knew we were here. Mm-hmm. This is us. This was always going to be us. Now we're going to continue to prove it. A loss maybe says, oh, oh no. Yeah. So so this game is so important, and I cannot emphasize enough how how necessary it is for Maryland to just produce a good performance. Yeah. And, um, I mean, that's that's all I have to say. I have nothing more to say. If I speak, <laughs> I'm in big trouble. <laughs> um, so, yes, tonight, Friday night, Indiana, WMUC Sports. I will have the call. Me, Brendan Harlow, will have the call with Joe Malfa. Um, and then the game Monday night will be Joe Malfa with Cam Hasbrook for WMUC Sports as well. Uh, and then so Joe actually has a crazy weekend because he is also doing the game Saturday for football. Uh, he will be calling that Indiana football game with Max Marcilla again on WMUC Sports. Can we also emphasize that I am going to be coming back from Northern Virginia from my internship straight to Ludwig Field. Yeah. So if you want to talk about crazy weekends and dedication to the sport, Brandon. Yeah, you get a, lot, a, lot of tr- a lot of travel for you that day. But you will be there <laughs> in time. We'll be on the halftime show. Um, but other than that, again, tune in tonight, 6.30 p.m. Uh, Wait, kickoff time. Yeah, it's because of the network. Um, and so 6.30 kickoff time tonight, 7 o'clock on Monday. Again, both games on WMUC Sports Radio. You can follow Tom's coverage on our website, WMUCSports.net, and on his Twitter and our social media at WMUC Sports and at Tom underscore Hindle underscore. Um, and so I think that does it for Episode 8 of the Ludwig Lowdown. And what a terrific uh, one it was. It was fantastic. Uh, we had some rants along the way, but nonetheless – uh, we prevailed. So, uh, episode eight of the Ludwig Lowdown, our Maryland men's soccer podcast here on WMUC Sports Radio. Your Terps, your station. Thanks for listening to the Ludwig Lowdown. We hope to have you right back here for the next edition with your hosts, Brendan Hartlove and Tom Hindle. Thanks, everybody, and go Terps! <laughs>